Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And hopefully you've been digging on everything that we've been dropping for you guys. We've been talking a lot about massage therapy, about people that are adding things into the massage therapy practice. And today I'm sitting with an old buddy of mine. His name is Corby. He's in our space today. Corby is a registered kinesiologist, and he's also a certified athletic therapist. And I'll tell you where this is coming from. We do a lot of courses here at Con Ed Institute, and we've noticed a trend. We've noticed the trend where we have massage therapists that come in that always are looking for something a little bit more, like some of the previous podcasts that we did, Uh, some therapists that add on sport massage, some therapists that go on to learn osteopathy or manual practitioner, osteopathic practitioner type of stuff. And we recorded one of those yesterday. And of all the courses that we've run and of all the athletic therapists that have sat in our courses, I've never known it to be that role where it's been the massage therapist who goes on to add in athletic therapy. I've always known it to be the reverse. They've been the athletic therapist, they still are the athletic therapist, and then they go back to school for massage therapy. And I think there's a huge thing here because I don't think anyone fucking even knows what an athletic therapist is oh, other amen, than brother. other amen. than athletic <laughs> therapist, right? You guys have your own little club. And I think it's kind of cool, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we want everyone to know what you guys do. I don't think the medical community knows exactly what you guys do. I definitely know I'll, complimentary alternative medical practitioners they don't know what you guys do you guys know what you do athletes know what you do organized athletics and sport knows what you do i mean corby why don't we start off by you can tell everyone about yourself and uh let's 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 uncover the mystery of athletic therapy oh i love that the mystery of athletic therapy well my name's corby and what i am i am as Mark said, a certified athletic therapist as well as a registered kinesiologist here in Ontario and I guess you can say in Canada as well. My background, I always in high school played sports, in university played sports, and I was always thinking I wanted to go into some type of rehab type of field. Essentially, it was going to be physiotherapy or possibly occupational therapy. And then I was working with some athletic therapists that were over in Western when I went to school there. That's right, because I'll give you, can I just give the background real yeah. quick so I'm jumping in? I know Corby from way back when. We both worked at in the city of Toronto. It used to be broken up into suburbs that used to be considered cities, and one of them was Scarborough. And we used to work with each other at a Scarborough Day Camp, right? Yeah, Parks and Rec. Parks, yep. Parks and Rec. Oh, yep. sorry, that's not Parks the proper name for yeah. it. What you got to go prop- back. If you're going back, you got to go back and tell it how it is. But what's the proper name for it? Because Scotty, the guy who used to run it, right. always used to be, you know, and he had a thick Scottish, he was Scottish, right? Yeah, he I was Scottish. So. Yeah. And he had a thick Scottish <laughs> accent and, and, and we would all call it Parks and Rec, but he would he would be like, yeah. no, it's it's. he would always want to use the I proper th- name. Think it was, I think it was called Scarborough Parks Recreation and Culture. Yes, Scarborough think, Parks yeah. Recreation and Culture Department. He was always, you know, very adamant about using the whole name. Anyway, so yeah. Corby and I used to work in, in uh, work for the city and then you went to Western because this yep. is probably the time, you know, when we're in our early years of university or the time between high school and university mm-hmm. and because it's a summer gig. And then Corby went to Western yep. I, in, in Ontario, southern Ontario, and I went to York University in right. Toronto. And, um, and then Corby and I hadn't seen each other for a long time. And then I'm sitting in a lecture hall at York University and then boom, in walks Corby. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> yeah, here, man? That's correct. But yeah. not only that, I always tell this story to my wife who thinks it's, who thinks it's funny. And you probably don't even remember this. 
I don't remember the name of the lecture hall. It's it's not Stedman. Which one is the? It it probably sits about seven hundred people. Curtis it's a Lecture little, Hall. Curtis Lecture, lecture hall. hall. Yeah, and it probably sits about seven hundred yeah. people, and they had these really crappy, you know, theater type of um, red seats. And, yep. And uh-huh. the courses that we were taking in Kin normally they didn't have more than three hundred people in them. Right. So in other words, this is this is kind of half the size of what's what's what the whole hall can hold. Uh-huh. And so no, normally you know people don't sit like right next to each other. Yeah. Right. You reserve the spot for your bag, and your buddy would sit like two seats over, whatever the case right. is. And I remember Corby walked into one of the class, and I'm thinking to myself, one, I know that guy, and I thought he went to Western. And two, Corby sat down right beside me, <laughs> right beside me. I'm thinking, dude, <laughs> you must just sit in my lap. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I find a seat that's open, it's a good plot. Guess what? I'm parking my carcass right there. Man. I, I dig it though. I dig it though. So, anyway, sorry to butt in on that. Yeah, you were, you left off at Western. Yeah. So it was at Western. I got a three-year degree there, um, and I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do while I was like between first and second year of university. I knew I wanted to do something in kinesiology. I knew I wanted to do something in rehab, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And it was when I was speaking to one of the athletic therapists at Western and just understanding sport injury and rehab and all that, it really just dawned on me as like, I want to stay back and work with athletes yep. and work with amateur athletes and work with elite athletes. And I was like, this field is so fascinating. It's different every day. Um, you're working with these athletes to get them back as quickly, but as safely as you can back into sport. And it just seems that it was that one thing where you take everything you learn and you put it in that practical application. Mm-hmm. So literally it was like, okay, I need to go to athletic therapy. So I got my three-year degree over at Western. Um, there was a few schools that had athletic therapy that you have to go and apply to. So I thought, let me go over to York and uh, give it a shot over there. And there's still only a small number of schools that's correct. in Canada that offer yep, it, right? Yep, so that's, yeah, that's York correct. University is one so of them. York is one. Sheridan is another one. And those are the um, two that have been running it for the longest time as yes, far if you're as looking, I know. If you're looking, I think there's one, I, there's one out... East, and I forget the name of the school, and I know I should know it. Um, I want to say Dalhousie yes. is another one. So. And then uh, University of Manitoba, I think, recently has been running one. And there's another one or two that are out on that. But, yeah, you're right. There's very few schools that have this actual athletic therapy designation that actually, you know, teach us. Which gives you an idea of how specialized this thing is. Absolutely. Like, it is a super competitive program to get into, yep. especially back in the day when you were doing it. Yep, because I applied over at Sheridan College and there were approximately 1,800 candidates that applied and there were, I wanted to say, 35 spots. Wow. Didn't get in the first time. They said, like, resume looked good. I didn't have enough field hours. Or no, sorry, I didn't have enough clinical hours. So I had to go get, get some clinical hours, work on that, work on that. Then I went, like, at the same time I was going to York. So I thought, let me apply to both York's program, since I'm already in here, and the Sheridan program. Got into both. Because York's program is a little different, too, because York doesn't just offer it to anybody. York, you have to be in the kinesiology program. So it runs concurrently right. with they the do kinesiology have, They could program. run it concurrently, and they do take some outside people as well. Is that new? But those outside people, you've got to be really specialized and know you and be on the game and such. It's very, very competitive. How new is that? Is that new? Um, it's relatively... Well, when I applied, and that was... Oh, God, I'm going to age myself. Back in the 90s. <laughs> like, hip-hop, you don't stop. Um, when you're going back into the 90s, yeah, a majority of people were concurrently doing it. There was possibly one or two spots right. for people that were coming outside. So it, it's the same way there, but it's fiercely competitive yes, to get into it. All right, so give us an idea of... 
let's first start off with what is an athletic therapist and what does an athletic therapist do? Because like I said, not many people even know. Yeah, that is true. The best way I can explain athletic therapy, we're a body movement specialist. We can look at and our, I guess you could say our job or our, our scope of practice starts from the minute an athlete or someone enters into the field mm-hmm. to when they're injured, to seeing them along the rehab process to get them back onto the field. Right on. So we do specialize from that end-to-end treatment, which makes it really great because many more athletic therapists are realizing we can do the same thing in the workforce. Yeah, You come sure. to your job, you're looking on what's going on, we can analyze and assess that. Go through it, look at our like rehab plans and such, build and design a rehab program, get you back on in, looking at the body as a whole, get you back on in there. Because mm-hmm. I think when most people think athletic therapist, they are only think, and if they know anything of it at all, I feel like they're only thinking about the work that you guys do feel to play. That's correct. Right? They're Absolutely. thinking about the emergency care work that you do, the guy on the yeah. sidelines with the fanny pack full of all the medical uh, gear. Yeah, that's correct. And, and the gloves on, ready to rock yeah. and roll when someone goes down on the field. Right. So it's definitely a lot more than that. Absolutely. it's Like I said, we work in the clinical setting as well as that field setting and also kind of like in between as well. So there's so much that we, we go and do because once again, we can identify the injury. And if we can identify the injury, when we're doing a rehab, we can treat the injury, but look and see what does this person need to get back to full functional capacity or it's close to full functional capacity to be proficient on what they're doing. Right on. So, okay, let's start with field of play. Because right. if, if we're starting from the point of which, it, and if it is that you are on the field and an athlete gets injured, right. give us the rundown of like what happens. Athlete goes down, AT, into play, right. go. So athlete goes down, we're onto the field. What we're going to do is we're going to do a quick assessment to see one of three things. One, can this athlete continue in the sport? Two, do I need to pull them off to do further assessment? Or three, this injury that this athlete may have is serious enough that we need to get medical, external medical to come and give us more assistance. Can I ask you a quick question before you rock and roll on this? How much say does the athlete have when you come up to them, when you charge off the sidelines and the athlete is down, how much say do they have in like, no, I'm okay, I'm good to go, or no, I don't want to go to the sidelines for further testing, or please take me there now? It all depends on what the relationship is with the, I guess you could say with the team, the coaching staff and such we as athletic therapists always will go on to what's the best course of action for the athlete to be safe okay so that kind of overrides everything on else and you try and get the athlete the coach and everyone else to go and buy into that same philosophy all right so does this does this change then because as as an athletic therapist working in field i imagine it can you can you can be in that scenario for a couple of reasons. One, the organization who is putting on the event or the sport right. has contracted athletic therapists to be there because they need medical staff. Correct. Yep. Or two, you are part of the team's medical care. Right. Correct. So how much does that play into the decisions that you make? Well, you would hope that there would be no type of bias to it. However, if I'm an athletic therapist with a team, I will know the athletes better. That's definitely true, yeah. So therefore, if an athlete is, for instance, out of breath or just winded, 
then I can be able to make a better judgment call on that. Compared to if they're out of breath winded, I don't know if they're having an asthma attack, something else could be going on. Is there another underlying pathology that could be slowing that athlete, like that athlete or the individual down? Right, right. So it all, ideally, if an athlete, if an athletic therapist is working with the team, better information. They know the players better. Gotcha. And if you're just kind of going onto it, essentially, you're just making sure everyone's playing. If there's an injury or if someone is like a bump has a bump or a bruise, they'll come to you. You'll go and assess it. If it's something serious, you're going onto the field and you're making that medical decision. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so I love that field work because that field work can be really exciting. Because absolutely, like I imagine, then you've give us an idea of like kind of the 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 bigger events that you've been involved with. Some of the bigger events that I've gone to. Um, well, I work a lot in competitive cheerleading. Mm-hmm. So I've gone to the world championships quite a many times, um, working with team Canada. Cheerleading that. is so huge. Yes, it I, is. I don't think people realize it's how another huge one it of is. those. Things. It's like athletic therapy. Like it's one of those things. If you're in it massive, yeah. someone looking on the outside, they're here like, really? Yeah. You're throwing up girls. I thought it was just pom poms. Yeah. No, it's completely athletic strong there's guys and there's girls that are involved in it it's pretty spectacular and the things and like and the elements that they're throwing and doing is it bigger in the states than it is in canada yes because there's a huge school population and the sport has was evolved and started in the u.s there's a huge tradition with football cheerleading cheering on the thing so it's ingrained in that aspect and then the new all-star level our all-star type of cheering which is the full performance and that's it that's growing up as well uh, with cheer i know uh, this athletic yeah. therapy talk but i'm really curious about cheers too yeah is do, do you find that that you have a lot of former gymnasts as yes. che- in cheer yeah so the one thing that's really great with cheerleading is if you're an athlete we could make you a cheerleader so you're getting athletes coming from all different aspects um when i started in high school cheering my background was rugby track and field, volleyball. So coming into this, this cheerleading, throwing someone up and catching them, you know, in this awkward position and holding them there and then trying to throw them above your head. It was challenging for me. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I want to know how to do that. And then doing that, making it look easy. And then you have to put it to specific counts and all. It just became such this crazy, crazy um, thing to put this routine together. You had to be an athlete to be able to do it. So last question about cheer, I yeah. promise. This is not yeah. about cheer. Nah, it's all good, man. Um, how do you feel about the movie Bring It On? You know what? <laughs> it's, okay, so the movie did, it was good in some ways and then you had to get some definite clarification because some of the drama that happens in it, yeah, you have it into it and they've embellished it a lot more. But what it did is that it brought it to this real open audience because they didn't know what cheer was about before. They just thought it was, you know, pom-poms and shake. And you saw that in the movie. Yes. But then when you started seeing the the athleticism behind it, then people were kind of like, oh, okay. And funny enough, the amount of cheerleaders that started joining after that movie – like incredible. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. the, sa- it's the it same concept as as after Pitch Perfect. Right. I imagine like acapella groups just, yeah, just, just started suddenly started popping out of nowhere place. across yeah. all of these university yeah. campuses. Right. <laughs> so if you tie that back to athletic therapy, it's one of those things of 
well, how do we get our message so far out there that the whole masses see what we do? Yeah. It's so tough. Yeah, that is a, that is a tough kid because not, not a lot of people know. So the field of play work, I, I get it. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about the clinical stuff that would happen. Right. So working in a clinic, um, usually you can work interdisciplinary. Can it, oh, wow. I'd be stuck <laughs> on that word there. Or you like some athletic therapists that I know, they work in their own offices or they can work by themselves and such. Gotcha. So the same thing or the same guidelines like a physiotherapist and such, mm-hmm. they'll work on those same like guys. Um, you get it like you get an um, an injury, you build up your suspic- like your indices of suspicion. Yep. If you need to go send it off for further, uh, you know, medical like documentation or you need an X-ray or whatever else, refer it off to a doc. They'll get their information. So we're working in coordination with a variety of other healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Design a rehab program. Get them on the rehab program. Make sure that we're always taking in their healing time. Um, their mental capacity as well, because when you're dealing with injury and rehab, the mental aspect is such a big part of it to try and build that up to make sure that they're confident of going back and doing what they're doing. And then we're testing, testing, testing. We're trying to simulate what they're trying to get back to. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge thing that athletic therapists really do well is try and simulate kind of how they injured it and then look at how they do their sport or activity, try and simulate it so they feel comfortable with their healing process and eventually they're you're good to go. So within the scope of practice for a certified athletic therapist, yeah. give us an idea of what sits in there. So definitely the emergency care. Right. Um, so give us give us a little bit more about emergency care. Oh, wow. So emergency care. So Every athletic therapist, when you're going through, you have to be certified first responder. So you have to have that designation. Tell us what that is. Um, so first responder is, so you know your, your emergency first aid, then you have your standard first aid, and then above that, this is like the same level as basic paramedics. This is where um, athletic therapists need to have that certification in there as well. Now, if you're working in clinical, as long as you have your standard first aid and CPR, you should be all good to go. But if you're doing field, you, you got to have, have you got to have that you got to have that first responder. Okay, so what else is happening in terms of uh, uh, field work scope of practice? So wh- what what are we doing there? Um, in terms of, so you already mentioned the idea of assessment. Give us an idea of like the different, the, the, the scope or the spectrum of assessments. And this is in do. the field and this yeah, is in the so field side of things? talking field. field wow. Play. Okay. So let's just say this. If you're in a field thing and you're working with a team, normally the athletic therapist is one of the first to be there. One of the last to leave. Gotcha. And the reason why we're there is first to be there, you may have assessments to, um, to kind of go through. You may have um, some uh, like other minor treatments to get the athletes prepped up and ready. There's tape and bracing that's involved in that. Um, you may have to do some functional stretching, um, some maybe some, man- some manual work level a bit, depending on the level of your ability. Right. You're there at the game, monitoring the game or practice. If there's any injuries and stuff like that, you're setting up some post rehab stuff that they need to go and do getting you know doing some assessments if an athlete does have a bump bruise injury and then you got to go back and document everything that you did in the day so you're there and then guess what close up shop come back you're there the next day or the next practice right on so the scope of practice is huge field to play again ranging from all types of assessments orthopedic yep. assessments concussion yep. um yep. taping bracing, bracing yep. um directing medical staff because right. you're the first yep. on the scene right? right depending on the like depending on which organization if you're working with one and such you're looking things like sleep hygiene you're looking on um, nutrition, you like all of these things kind of fall into our buckets mm-hmm. to make 
make sure that the clients or your athletes that you're working with are getting the best possible chance of having excellent peak performance on yeah. the field. I also love the way you guys think and work, and I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Corby teaches a, a CPR, standard and emergency uh, yep. first aid and CPR for us at Con Ed Institute. And when we run our courses, we always have a, a little bit of an introduction as to the courses and the instructors and everything else. And then Corby comes in to do first aid CPR, and just like a typical first aid CPR, he's like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this before, but do you know where the emergency exits are? Do yeah. you know if this building has an AED? Yeah. Do you do you know where fire extinguishers are? Do you know how to get out of the building? Do you know the address? Do you know what door you came in? It's like that 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 is just so immediate. Yeah, it's it's, it's so ingrained in an athletic therapist in our field to think of how are we going to be as safe as we can. Mm -hmm. So we're looking on if it's a practice, you're looking on temp, environment, weather conditions, and all that. If you're at a practice and you're with a team, you're thinking about water, hydration. What if they're going to be cramping? What if they're not going to be cramping? Where are the washrooms? Are there bees around? Are there not bees around? Yeah. What's for lunch? Yeah. I like what are we going to do? So you're always, your brain's always thinking of these constant like things to make sure that once again, you're minimizing those injuries. Yeah. Give us an idea then scope of practice in, in clinics, right? Yeah. So uh, the way I see it, there's a whole huge overlap between scope of practice for certified therapists that are operating in clinic and then physiotherapists. Correct. So give us an idea of what the scope of practice would be in clinic. It really depends on how the clinic is set up because you're right in the in a clinical setting like physiotherapy and athletic therapy, there's a lot of overlap on there. So we're looking on, you know, soft tissue treatment. We can be looking on modality, use of treatment. We're looking on balance, range of motion, strength training, um, proprioceptive work and right. such. All of those things kind of uh, blend into it. So modalities are definitely in the mix, right? So Absolutely. Athletic therapists, therapeutic ultrasound, yep. shockwave, IFC, TENS. Yep, yep. all of those Different things. hydrotherapy yep. modalities. Hydrotherapy we knew would be in the mix. Right. Right. anyway for you guys yep. right and then all the soft tissue work so there's that huge overlap and you wonder why people don't recognize or don't know exactly what a what an athletic therapist does yeah you know the biggest part with that is how we market ourselves in the world of athletic therapy a lot of people think the term athletic mm -hmm. you have to deal with sports mm -hmm. and in the past athletic therapists weren't really great on marketing ourselves yeah we would come out, I remember finishing school, and I was like, okay, I'm an athletic therapist. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> what, what do I do now? Like, I've, I've done the schooling, I've done the things, I've passed my board exams, gone through the grit, we're done the hours and everything. Okay, what do I do? I guess I work for a clinic, maybe a team, and then I'll kind of hook up onto that. So that was a big thing, is understanding the business aspect inside of it. When I graduated, there wasn't much. So give me your career path since you graduated. Right. So since I graduated, oh God, career path. This is, sit back and relax because I've gone through a couple of things. My chair's comfortable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so first of all, I started working, you know, get my certification, working in general multidisciplinary. Well, clinics. can I pause you there before yeah. you start? So. There is a licensing exam. Absolutely. Can you tell us what the licensing exam is like? Okay, I'm just going to say it's bloody hard. Okay. <laughs> first, I like that. First of all, but you have to complete your three years. Okay. Um, there is mandatory hours that you have to do both clinically as well as field. So you have to maintain, you have to get those things, and that will 
go over your th- like about three years. So, so your the hours that you're accumulating is on top of school. It ha- it's happening during school, right? It's happening during school. So at York in particular, what we do is they'll set us up with a variety of um, teams, the varsity teams. So therefore, they want you to get experience in contact and non-contact. Teams. Gotcha. Um, depending on some things, they want you to work with co-ed teams or may our female teams or male teams, yeah, and stuff like that. They want you to just get a whole mix of different things. Yeah. So when you go into the real world, you can say yes, I work with a variety of different things. So That's when perfect. I was at York, the teams that I worked with, first year I was working with figure skating, I worked with women's rugby, men's rugby, um, what else did I do? I did uh, fencing, and that was actually pretty cool because that helped me out when I did Pan Am games, it's a whole other story, and um, we did, I did track and field, I was the head therapist for track and field. All of those sports there I was able to do, and it got me a really good aspect of like how my skills can fit in and help the athletes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in there. So, yeah, so what you do is you have to do your clinical, um, you have to do your practical. Usually in our third year, our professors are really, really good on trying to prepare us for our board exams. And up until, I think, last year, you had to do a clinical and a practical. They've just now taken out the practical, like just recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so now it's just one straight exam. So you have to do your exam of like 300 questions, and then you have to get like your 70% on there and then you have to do your field so your field practical is one emergency thing and then when you're in clinic i want you to bring this athlete from first time you met them week three or week five and then what are your discharge parameters and how you're going to discharge them so they just get a good idea on what it is yeah yeah um it's not an easy exam not everyone goes and passes it just like that yep. there are people that fail either one or both um sections and yeah you gotta go back pay it out pay out your cash Go back, do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And such. Yeah. All right. So then now walk us through the career path. Okay. So my career path. So certified. Yay. Now I got to figure out what to do. Working in a variety of different multidisciplinary clinics, kind of just learning kind of like, you know, the ropes and the tries and all that. So with those, um, did you have to go hunt those out or were you, yes. were you you're, you're not finding uh, job postings looking for a certified yeah. therapist at our clinic? No. Back in those days, it was pretty much you were looking for like a kinesiologist and such. So the, like the athletic therapy positions or positions, uh, like positions out, out in the world, they weren't that many. Mm -hmm. There were companies that had field placements. So they wanted someone with your first aid and your CPR skills, but they would key their fill that up with like a student therapist, maybe an athletic therapist, maybe a paramedic. Yeah, that's true. So you're kind of going, you're doing some field work because I want to keep my, you know, my hands dirty and messy with that. I'm also doing some clinical stuff. Through the clinical stuff, I'm kind of going, moving around, still working a lot in cheerleading as well. Um, You know, start, you know, covering the odd like cheerleading events and such. Yeah. Start my side business uh, called Back on Track and I'm covering more and more field things. So that's kind of starting to slowly, slowly, slowly take off. Yeah. But I got to get my nine to five, right? So I got to, you know, got to put food on the table. I got some kids. Got to be able to find some work. So did that. Found myself doing chronic pain. So wait, wait, wait. Yeah. With back on track. So that's your, that's your, that's your fieldwork company. Yes, that's my fieldwork company. Yeah. So are you going? By like, are you scoring gigs based on working with people in the past primarily? And they're like, I really like what he did here, or he's he's awesome at these events, or he's just a great AT altogether. You got to get this guy. Exactly, that's exactly it. A lot of it is word of mouth. I'm not going out there like said, if you need field, there you go. I'm starting to get better at that because, like I said, the whole marketing and business side of it, I'm really really fresh and new about that. So I really honestly. 
Shout out to my wife, Steph. I got to go plug you in, honey. <laughs> but yeah, she's my rock in that aspect on the whole marketing, business sides and everything else. I, I, I'm really weak at that. She's really strong and she's able to push and be able to, okay, let's look into this market field. You need to go and put this brand up if you're going to push this inside. And then just keep that networking going. Right, like, exactly. Like, like Corby and I ran into each other again at Pan Am. Right. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and uh, Edwin, right? Is this Yeah, Ed- Edwin, yeah. So I mean, and I imagine therefore you know Edwin and you've worked with Edwin before right. and then anytime Edwin needs someone it's like hey that's it. I've you, got my list of people I always a, call. Exactly and that's the great thing I, I find with athletic therapy is we're really good at building up our networks that if we need something say for instance if I need therapists I can just put out a couple feelers and then boom I'll get a whole bunch saying yep I can do this day I can do this day alright boom 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 yes and away we go. That's It's one of those things that we do networking for athletic therapy, we're really, really good at. The business side of things, we're getting better. And that comes in tail of more people are understanding what we do and have seen it. So I guess your old question when you ask, okay, you graduated, how'd you find work? Literally, I had to hunt. I had to hunt, pick, tell them, okay, yes, I'm like a kinesiologist, but I'm, I have more skills. Let me show you what I can do. And then I get those, and then I can get those gigs. Now, we're starting to see more athletic therapy jobs because more and more people are understanding on what we do and how our skills are so unique and we're able to like we're able to adapt in so many different environments that you're starting to see more and more of these gigs coming on. I now. feel like athletic therapy and kinesiology are kind of in the same boat in that no one fucking gets what you do absolutely yes everyone misuses you yep so for example ats you know most people think field to play we got to get at for emergency response field to play right and then they don't think about you guys for clinic yep and then kinesiologists it's not even like we got to get a kid it's like we don't even know what a fucking kid does yeah but the scope of practice for both are so huge right you're permitted to do so much and it's just like you just don't know where to go with it you almost have to be you know overly create the a big problem with kinesiology, at least this doesn't happen with athletic therapy, because athletic therapy, the schooling system, the education really preps you to either work clinic right. and field to play a combination yeah. of the two. Kinesiology is really geared towards academia. So there's a huge disconnect from being a registered kinesiologist and working with the general public right. to what the hell you're doing in school. Yeah, it's, absolutely. So yeah. Most kins come out of there, they're like, I don't know what to do. Right. And then everyone that's already in complementary alternative health care or just or just you know very formal healthcare yeah. they see kins being used one way and one way only right as a physio assistant yeah or, as an ultrasound dummy or the ice or, or, or the, you're the ice pack guy. or or an exercise yep. specialist right, right? exactly and, and kind of ignoring the whole scope of practice it's a really it's a really weird it's a really weird yeah topic. and that see and the big part to that which athletic therapy is starting to get better on is mentorship is getting the older and more wiser athletic therapists to take on these younger ones to understand what's going on, how to market yourself, how to become an athlete, like a successful athletic therapist. Many of them are no clue. We still have athletic therapists that are coming in saying, okay, all I want to do is I want to work with a pro team. Okay. That's great. Do you know what it takes to be an athletic therapist on one of these pro teams? Do you know the hours of commitment that you're having in there? Do you know the sacrifices that are going in there? And so it's kind of sometimes a reality check that you have to do with many of them. And you're getting many, you know, young AT saying, 
okay, well, where's the money at? And this yeah. is where... Where's the money at? <laughs> this is where they're like, well, how? Where? what can I add on to this? Right. Because most of the times yeah. when I see the AT massage therapy combination, yeah. it's come at that kind of early AT career. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, I, I, I don't I need, know I need to, to make here. money. I thought if I did all this schooling, it'd be like physio. It'd be boom, there make my 70 80k job that's not happening in athletic therapy it's not happening you're gonna have to build up your reputation to make those figures and you and a lot of times ats will have to have more tools in the toolbox for sure so you can't come out and say all right massage therapist boom away you go ats are gonna have to be sometimes a little bit more creative because you're right the general population has no bloody idea what we do um so Cheer, you said, yep. was one of the big competitions or right. events you worked at. Give yep. us some other the big events you worked oh, at. Oh, my God. So some other big events. Um, power, uh, power tumbling and trampoline. Oh, wow. So there's that. Uh, taekwondo. I used to do uh, martial arts. So I do a lot of taekwondo tournaments still. Um, did some stuff with um, Team Canada way, way back. Mm-hmm. And now, like, yearly, I still do some other taekwondo tournaments and such. Oh, gosh. In the past, football, track and field. Um, gymnastic is another compliment and things that I still go and do when I have time or I can get field placements to go on out there and such. Um, anything that it really comes down to sport, I'm really willing to just go and take a look at it. Now, the other thing too is um, the international games and a lot of international things. Like you mentioned earlier, where we kind of rehooked back on up at the Pan Ams. Mm-hmm. And it was because of my athletic therapy background and the experience that I had over at York University, especially with fencing, Elwin calls me up and he's like, hey, um, you want to work Pan Ams? And I'm here like, uh, I know it's coming up. What's going to be entailed in it? He's like, well, we're looking for therapists and all that. you got to put your application in. We want to make sure that you know we get a really great representation. He's like, okay, well, where do you want me? He's there like, well, I have modern pentathlon. And I'm here like, okay, what the hell is that? <laughs> I'm here like, okay, what event is that? Because <laughs> I've heard of a decathlon. I've heard of a heptathlon. What is this modern pen? So he described it to me. And I go, yeah, I got this. I've done, like I was a head therapist for fencing. I can get the fencing. Describe it to everyone that doesn't know. So it's a five-event sport. And it's based on the whole concept of having a true military um athlete Mm -hmm. and so what they've done is they look at first fencing so you have to be able to like and you think about it military fields and you're out in the whole like you're in war what are some key skills you have so you have to be able to fence okay so that's one then you have to be able to swim so there's a swimming event that's involved in it so those those two things are timed then from the swimming events we wanted to have another fencing duel off because all of these events that you're doing think of it as like a top one or decathlon you're getting points you come first this certain time this so your swim it's all about times you're getting your points your fencing you win here's your points so they have the next thing called a ladder so if you were in last place in the fencing you fence the second last person you win you go on to the next and there's this ladder thing and you're getting your points and you get points up in there until you get your winner then the next thing is an equestrian so it's an equestrian course that you got to go and run now, here's the trick with this equestrian that makes it crazy. You pick a number, that number correlates to a horse. Oh. You jump on the horse, you got to figure out how this horse moves and communicate with this horse and be able to go through an obstacle course. Yeah. So think of equestrian where they've had horses that they've trained yeah, for years. Their horse, yeah. Now you're just jumping on the back of a horse because in, in wartime, if you had to get a message across, you'd have to jump on the first horse you see, control it, get out yeah. and go. 
So there's that, and then there's the um, the craziest events is this. I can't remember if it's two or three k that they have to run, but in between each set they have to run, lower down their heart rate, and hit five targets with a pistol. Go run around again, mm-hmm. pick it up. So you might think, oh, pretty easy. Tried the gun thing. It is hard. Oh yeah, it's hard because it's a small, small little target that you have to hit. And you got to hit them with those shots and then run around. So and the like, ideal scenario is to fire off rounds between heart rate. Right, exactly. Beats. So how can you run, get out of, like, you know, run from the enemy, but then be able to rest, sit, boom, take out your enemy and then go up. So that was that one event that was incredible. And being an AT there, I was able to go, okay, so what are some things that I have to worry about? Mm-hmm. Do I have to worry about someone flipping off the horse? Yeah. Like, and working with the military, you know, the whole complimentary team that we had, it was great to brainstorm and go, okay, you know what? The weather's going to be really, really hot. What's our contingency plan when people overheat mm-hmm. and come up to the finish line? Right. Did I also mention with the mountain pentathlon, that's all done in one day? Mm. It's not a two-day event? Oh, man. That's all in one day. So you finish one thing, pick up your stuff, go to the next. So you can see how taxing it could be on that athlete and such. So I did that, um, had a really great time and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do more international, big events and games. But being, you know, having a family, it's just really, really tough to get the time off of my regular nine to five job and, you know, missing time away from the kids and such. So last year we had the Invictus Games. Right, right. And I was able to work with that. And that was a great experience once again, working with, you know, military, you know, people in the military that have been, you know, you know, harmed psychologically or physically and their sport and sport is that venue for them to get back and to integrate so seeing the beauty side of that just really reinvigorated me on the importance of sport and the importance of rehab and the importance of getting the like an athlete or veteran or an individual back to some type of functional capacity for sure for yeah. sure like those games they're so huge and you just you always walk away feeling so awesome right you just being involved in, like a couple weeks before uh-huh. those games i was working the north american indigenous games right yeah 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 and th- that is those are all youth athletes yeah. from from various indigenous nations right. um right across north america that come together mm. and uh, you know it's just the coolest experience but you know what i have noticed at these types of events you know because most of these types of gigs with these huge with right. these larger events it's a volunteer thing right yes no yeah. one's getting paid yeah i mean the only people that that are probably getting paid are the organizers correct we're putting everything together so even the doctors that you're that you're working alongside with in, in field to play medical care there they're they're volunteer and you know what struck me the most every uh-huh. time i've done these types of games from pan to north american indigenous games the doctors that end up being there really don't know much about Anything related to athletics, athletic injury, athletic care. Yes, exactly. They are actually the ones that get in the way right. the most. Yeah, I found, <laughs> I found that, you know what, when I was working, yeah, when I was working at a couple of events, yeah, I found that sometimes it's just, they just didn't know. They were just completely ignorant. They didn't understand how the whole sport, uh, they were great on emergency care if something was there, but to integrate the whole sport aspect into it, some of them were struggling. I, I was I was, I was, I was honestly shocked yeah. by that. Like, yeah. I, I, one of the events, um, the do- one of the doctors there was, was an emergency room doctor. Yeah. And I just felt like there was, there was just, a, there was so much of a disconnect. Yeah. Like you still, you're not, you're not in the rhythm. You're not right. in the rhythm. Yeah. And it's, once again, it's the hours that they've done in the field. Right. 
right? We, as an athletic therapist, or if you're a sports massage therapist or something like that, you're in the field. You get it. You get the pace. You get the importance of make your decision, get up, and then go or not go to force, you know, to foreshadow. Okay, what else can possibly happen? How am I going to situate myself to make sure that I'm able to have the best case scenario inside? Mm-hmm. They could do that in an emergency room, bring the page, but when you're out in the field, a lot of them are lost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, worst injury that you've seen field of, field of play worst injury worst injury field of play let me tell you of one really weird injury let me go with that one first because right, okay. worst injury it's there's so many of them but I'll go with the, one of the weirdest ones so um, senior year um, student therapist track and field we're over at U of T we have this thing called last chance qualifiers and what the last chance qualifiers is to make it to the CIE or the national championships you have to qualify so this event was the last event for any athletes that didn't qualify to make it in. So I had one of my athletes running 800 meters in his thing. He's running, 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 trips on another athlete. We hear, um, I hear, like I wasn't watching the race because I'm watching some of the other field events that are happening in here. I hear a thud. So it makes me turn. He falls down. So I'm here like, what the hell? So I go, and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, my, you know, pain, pain. I got some pain in my thigh. I look, there's a bulge in his upper thigh, like mid-upper thigh. Ah. So my first instinct was, oh, my God, this guy ripped his quad. Like, he definitely ripped his quad. So I'm checking some things and everything else, going, you know, going through our orthopedic test. And I'm going through it, and I'm kind of like, you know what? A plus B is not equaling C on this. Like, I'm going through it there. So there's another therapist, um, friend of mine, Surrender. Um, he has um, a clinic. Like, yeah, he's another athletic therapist out in Waterloo. So I go, Surrender, I need you to check this. What do you what do you feel? What do you what do you get? So he goes in here, he goes and does a couple of tests as well, and he's there like femur? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm getting. And so like, but how what what happened? And it's like, he was running. So we went and we went, okay, you know what? Because this is like our instincts are saying something more. So we went, called EMS, they splint him, um, you know, they splint him, boom, away we go. I get a call an hour later, he's in surgery. Broke his femur. So now at this point here, like, this is my worst injury. I'm here like, oh, my God. Like, oh, oh my God. What happens if I had him stand up? So now I'm going through all of these worst case scenarios and all that. And I remember I called one of my professors and um, going through this whole scenario and having this whole, like, almost like a freak out. Like, oh, my God, he's going to die on me. What could I have done? And she kind of calmed me down, you know, normalized the situation, went, okay, where is the athlete now? So the athlete's in the hospital. Good. It's like, did you do everything that you could? It's like, yeah, I checked, you know, I, you know, checked distal circulation. I made sure he was stable. I didn't move him there. Went, went through all these tests and all that. Went through all of this. I go, did you document everything? I go, yeah, but everything's all documented and all that. She's like, then you've done you everything. Did your job. You, you've done your job. You've done everything. And you have the best case scenario right now. Yeah. He's in surgery. And I remember from that moment when we had that talk and went back to class, like I think it was like on a Friday this happened and our class was on a Tuesday. We went back to class. We discussed that, and it just—it really normalized that. Oh my God! Like things like this could happen, and you got to trust what your instincts are. For sure, you got to sure. trust what what your level of teaching, what the tests are telling you. And if something doesn't feel out of the ordinary, like something feels weird mm-hmm. or out of the ordinary, go get it checked out. And that really put me on the path of really becoming a better athletic therapist. Mm-hmm. And if I see something or my instincts are telling me something ain't right. Chances are that something ain't right, it ain't right. 
So go get it. Yeah, follow your gut on most times, right? If if your gut is speaking to you, it's speaking to you for For a reason. reason. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that big one. And just once again, just having that support there with, you know, with another student therapist that was there. Mm -hmm. Um, Having my professor that I can go and call up and, you know, debrief with her was just one of those things that just gives you that extra power to handle any other situation. I feel like that AT community is like that. Yeah, it is. Like, if you want to reach out and you want to, like, you know, get that support and such, you can say Really big case in point, like, if you want to talk about how tight the AT community is, when, um, you know what, my mind just went blank on her name. The girl who died in the Humboldt crash. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because they were always saying that, yes, there were 16 people that died. Mm-hmm. And we said, yeah, there were 15 hockey pairs and one female athletic therapist that was there. So we, as a community, always want to go and remember that that could be us. Yeah. So there was a lot of outpouring. There was a lot of support um, on things to, you know, remember what she did and how we can go and make sure that, you know, that we're all here together mm-hmm. and such. So it's such a big thing. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So that, that is definitely, if that's just your weirdest, I uh-huh. mean, that sounds well, like the you know worst. What? Yeah, that like, pretty I, bad. Like I've had, I've had like, you know, broken legs. So the leg is pointing the other direction and such like that. When I've covered some field things. Um, yeah. Like in that story there where the guy, football guy catches a ball, runs, crunch, tackle, He's on the floor screaming in pain. So yeah. I run on out and my first, th- you know, first thing you do, anytime you go into the scene, do a quick body scan. What's going on? What, like, what do you remember what happened? What do you see? And I saw his ankle or his toes pointing in the opposite direction. So I'm like, whoo. So I had a jacket. I take it off, cover him on up. But this athlete's here like, nah, I want to get up. I want to get up. I want to go to the next play. So I remember I literally grabbed like I, I held onto his chest and i just pinned him down and i went look you can't leave he's like no i want to get up i need to fucking get up Da-da! like just you know machoism taking over right adrenaline machoism so i hold him down and i go okay answer me one question he's like what what color wheelchair do you want <laughs> and he's like what is like well if you get up i have i don't know if you have a spinal what's going on what color wheelchair do you want uh uh, uh, so I need you to stay still. So go through your assessment and all that. Luckily, it was just the leg there. Paramedics came, set it, boom, and away we go. Right, But right. it was just one of those freak things. So if I see like a blood or a cut or broken bones and stuff, and I've seen a lot of, oh, that's a false joint. Your arm's not supposed to be in that direction and such. It doesn't phase me out too much at all. So of all the all of the different sports, different events yeah. that you have uh, been involved with uh-huh. which athletes of all the ones you've done would you say have been the most difficult and which ones would you say have been the easiest to work with okay so some of the most difficult i would say if they didn't know me and i had to just cover the field football football hands down is just they their mentality is let's just grit bear it boom and away we go so i've had you have to be aggressive right you have to you be, have aggressive. be aggressive they have that macho guy they think they have their equipment everything's all good it, inside. it's like it's like it's like back when when it was all coming out like there's a whole bunch of football players that were you know abusing their wives and such yeah i mean i'm not i'm not condoning any kind of yeah. spousal abuse or abuse of anyone in right. general but I'm, i wasn't shocked i mean if you're crazy enough mm-hmm. to be a professional football player yeah and you're alignment and that's your job yeah. is just to be physical 
physical and aggressive. Uh, yeah. Do you think that only exists on the field? It's going to transfer off. You're not going to be like switch on, switch exactly. off. Exactly. A lot of times that transfers over. It's into part your of other your life. DNA yeah. that makes you even predisposed to being a good right. football player. Right. Right. So football definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah, football was definitely one of the bigger ones that I had a lot of. You had to kind of chip away to get to them and go look. At the end of the day. I'm here for your safety and I want to help you at the end of that. And sometimes there was some resistance that we had. And even with sometimes it could have been even with some of the coaching staff because they're thinking this is a big game. You can't pull up my star player. That's I true. need him on in. You must have. So s- now you have to make this debate and for, like you got to make that best judgment call for the athlete to say this athlete. I recommend that he doesn't go in. The coach wants him in. So now I'm here like, well, then it's your responsibility. You sign off on that. Have you ever had this scenario where coach wants in, athlete says, you know what? I don't think I should be doing anything. Um, I've had that sometimes in chair and we can diffuse that quite easily, like quickly now. Okay. Like, so athletes kind of like, I'm not sure. The coach is like, well, then I got to go change my routine. Da, da, da. No, no, no. They can go. We go. All right, fine. We've assessed. We may not find that it's com- like it's not in the best interest of the athlete to go in mm-hmm. because of boom, 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 boom. Coach says, I want them to go on in. So we say, all right, fine. Sign the waiver. Uh, Sign this waiver. It's now your responsibility. If anything else we're hop- else happens, we're recommending that they're not. Right. You're taking that assumption of risk because we can – when we're at, um, at a competition or event, we can't just go and simply just pull them unless it's going to be life or death. Gotcha. But if it's on those gray zones, we give our recommendation. And then if the coach wants to override that or the parent wants to override that, there's not a whole lot we can do. We bring it up to the attention of the like of the the event organizer and such, but we make sure that they sign off that you're understanding fully the assumptions and risks on this. Yeah, because so, that happened when I was at North American Indigenous Games. Yeah. And they're youth athletes, but I was at wrestling. Right. And um, one of the athletes came off with injury and the coach came up and he's like, no matter what, He's going back in. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, you know what, man? Yeah. I don't know about this. Let me do yeah. the assessments first. And, yeah. And then we'll talk. But he's like, I don't care what your assessments say. Yeah. He's going back in. Right. And so, you know, that conflict. Will always yeah, be you around. get you might get that conflict. So I just go. I protect first rule of thumb that I always tell myself and any therapist that will either work with me or passage on off. Let them sign off. You do your due diligence. You're protecting the athlete. Go on there. You can't go and have a fist fight with the coach now. Exactly. But at the same point in time, you're going to say, I want you to know full well, I don't agree with this. Here's what it is. It's now your decision mm-hmm. on there. And that's the best you can do. But yeah, then you said on the flip side, some of the best ones, there's so many of them. Um, well, let's just say it like this. Yeah. The best day for an athletic therapist working in field or any medical staff working in field is the boring day. Right. right, because <laughs> Cause you know, that means no one has no gotten yes. injured. And sometimes <laughs> it's there. I can actually enjoy the events. Yeah. And I can sit there. Like The one thing I always tell a lot of ATs, and I love it, is I sometimes get the best seats in the house. Oh, for sure. And I can watch the entire event right here at the sidelines. And if there's nothing going on, this is amazing. Yeah, for sure. And you can go and really appreciate the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Like when I was leaving the venue, one of the venues I was at for Pan Am, yeah. you know, and someone walked with me, hey, did you have a good day today? I'm like, I had a great day. I sat there, I observed, right. and there were no injuries to deal with. It's like, well, that was kind of boring. Eh? I'm like, no, no, no. no. In this line good. of work, yeah, it's a good boring's day. a good day. Yeah, because a lot of times people don't understand that our job, if we're doing fields, is reactionary. So if something happens, we get kicked in 
big time. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, oh, well, you sat and did nothing all day, so why are you going to go get paid or something like that? When shit hits the fan, we're the first to be there. And you want to make sure that you have your best, your most competent therapist to go and handle whatever situation that's there to make sure that that athlete has the best chance of survival. Yeah, for sure. So kind of in in wrapping on this thing, give us the elevator pitch for the general public about what a certified athletic therapist does. And this can also be a athletic trainer because that's the equivalent in the United States. States. Okay. So as an athletic therapist, if you want to know what athletic therapy does, we can look at an individual from injury, get them back to a functional working order based on if there is no other hidden pathologies. So what does that mean in English? Because I used a couple big terms there. From end to end, from injury to going back to your sport or going back to the thing you love, an athletic therapist can really help you in that whole transition there. So if you're looking for an athletic therapist, by all means, if you're in Ontario, go up on the OATA website, the Ontario Athletic Therapist Association website, read some of that information, find an athletic therapist local in your area. If not, check out the Canadian Athletic Therapy Association and you can get some information on there. You know, it also give me the quick elevator pitch yeah. to that, that physio clinic that is not quite sure what athletic therapy does. Right. So if you're so if you're a physio clinic or you're a healthcare pro, uh, professional and you're trying to look to find out do I hire an athletic therapist or not? Remember, what an athletic therapist does is we don't only treat the injury. We look at the individual as a whole and how the individual or how the injury is affecting the person as a whole and then go backwards and say, how is the individual as a whole? How can we get them with their injury to become as whole as they can once again? So it's not just the part. It's not it's not just the injury. You got to look at the whole person. And that's what athletic therapists do so well. And it's not just athletes. Yes, that's the best thing, too. If you work. And you have a nine to five job or eight to 10 or a 12 hour job. And I come on to your job. I'm going to struggle with it because why? You have trained yourself to do your job as efficiently as you can. So guess what? You're an athlete. You are an industrial athlete. So because you're an industrial athlete, we're going to treat you exactly the same. Right on. I like that. It reminds me of, uh, you ever hear Nike's mission statement? Uh-huh. I can't remember the whole part of the mission in the mission statement, but the end of the mission statement is 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 um something. It's along the lines right. of, of we make we make clothes for for athletes or something like that. Right. Okay. And the bottom part of the mission statement is if you have a body, you're you're an, an athlete. athlete. Yes, exactly that. An athletic therapist. If you do have some type of dysfunction. We want to try and make that dysfunction, identify it, address it, and then hopefully rehab it to the point where you can go back to the thing that you love. Right on. Yeah. So last bit then. Yeah. Someone wants to get in touch with you. Either they want to uh, find you for services right. in field or they have an injury and they like what they're hearing and they right. want you to be in, uh, they want you to care for their injury yeah. or they're considering athletic therapy or they're an athletic therapist and they're looking for a mentor. How does, how does someone get in touch with you? Oh man, there's so many different ways that you can come and get um, um in touch with me one if you're on facebook you can google up back on track active rehab services you can find me there if you want to email me you can quickly email me over at corby 
Anderson, C-O-R-B-Y-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot B is in Bobby, O is in Othello, T is in Thomas at gmail.com. You can also follow me over on Instagram at backontrack underscore active rehab. That um, you can follow me there on that Instagram there. I'm also on Twitter, so you can go follow me back on track active rehab on there. Any which way you can contact me. If you have any questions, I'll definitely take the time out to help you on out. Right on, brother. It's been great. Thanks for sitting in our space. I love it when we get to shoot the shit about some good stuff. Yeah, this you is know, awesome. You know what? Maybe uh, maybe one day we'll have you on the Unprofessional Hour. Yeah, I think so. This will be actually a lot of fun going on that. Right on. You've been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. Hope you've been digging on everything. Listen, subscribe.